Right, hello everybody, and welcome to our latest Royal Blue podcast in association with Sport Pacer. We told you last night we expected uh, the most recent podcast not to be the last of the week. We're possibly anticipating one quite so fast, but um, shortly before 10 o'clock this morning, um, we got the, the tweet from Everton Football Club saying that Sam Allardyce was leaving the club as manager, and uh, the search is on now for a, a, a replacement. Uh, Denise Barrett-Baxendale's first statement as chief executive uh, to announce the manager going. It's not a bad way to, uh, to, to announce your arrival. <laughs> so I've got Gavin Buckland and Adam Jones with me, David Prentice, to discuss Sam Allardyce's departure, the ramifications and where we go from here. Uh, the obvious thing is, you know, reaction. I think it was an open secret, but, you know, we're quite relieved now that the uh, decision has finally been made. Probably best for all parties, uh, yeah. I know. Um, Sports have said that the, the uncertainty wasn't great, and uh, and um, I'm sure Sam would agree. So yeah, not surprised. Um, as I said yesterday, though, it, it, it's I, don't, I still don't like seeing Everton managers sack because it normally means something's gone wrong with the club. You know what I mean? Course, so yeah. it's it's it's, uh, it's it's though people are happy in some respect, we should be sad. Yeah, um, I should, we should never forget that really that uh, okay it's not the end of the world there's not far more important things but uh, it's never a great day in any circumstances that an Everton manager gets the, gets the bullet that's absolutely fair interesting point on this uh, Adam though is that social media which as we know is a very uh, lawless place at times <laughs> uh, but there's an awful lot of people on there that can't seem to understand why Evertonians are so happy as Sam Allardyce going and uh, suggesting all kinds of schadenfreude they'd like to see you know, brought down upon the, uh, the support base. You know, we, apparently we deserve to be in a relegation fight now, having sacked the manager who got us to eighth place in the table. Oh, uh, the heady heights of eighth. Put, put them right, Adam. You know, so <laughs> what, 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 why were right. Everson fans so unhappy with uh, Sam Allardyce's well, reign? Let's be honest, all the people who are saying that on social media don't have Sam Allardyce in charge of their club, so that's why they... they, they saying that yeah. like I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago about the national media pundits it was at a time when Alan Shearer was coming out and yeah. saying it Garth Crooks was coming out and saying it I think Garth Crooks said oh why don't Everton fans have the gall and the brass <laughs> neck to complain well we, we complain because it's not it's not strictly the results that, that that have mattered Everton have been safe from relegation for two three months like maybe even more than that you yeah. could argue that we were never even in trouble for in a, in a relegation battle, but it's 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 the performances, it's the it's the style of play. Like it, you you don't enjoy going to Goodison anymore. Like when was the last time we like, you you were walking to Goodison like excited, you yeah. know, expect, expecting you know like a decent performance from from the team. It's just been it's just been tedious. It's been tepid. It's been apathetic. It's just been it's just been results football. Yeah. Get in there, get a draw, maybe even sneak a win. Get out. Hundred you know, percent. Yeah, like, and that kind of, that kind of football just won't won't cut cut it at, at Everton, and I think that's why Sam Allardyce is. I think that's why we're a lot of Everton fans are so happy to see Sam Allardyce gone because we, it, that needs to change. There were a number of reasons, you know, why Everton fans never connected with him. Uh, we won't explore all them now because we've spoken about them many times before. Yeah. But I think uh, what's also very important now is that it's not just Sam Allardyce who's left the club. Sammy Lee has gone with him, as has Craig Shakespeare, and uh, as has Martin Margotson, the goalkeeping coach. Um, Duncan Ferguson, we've not heard any statement on his future, so you know, whether he could be retained, we don't know. Steve Walsh, we still haven't had any clarification about him. 
Are there further changes of force? I mean, should we discuss Duncan first? I mean, um, he, he survived a couple of managerial departures now. You know, clearly he's doing something right at the club. I know Cheng Tosin has spoken very, very positively about him. Is it important to keep that link with the club's, you know, so heritage? Or is he a lucky man? To well, I mean, it is his decision. I mean, this is the thing about decision making is yeah. who is actually Duncan? Duncan employed by is he employed by them, you know, working yeah. to the manager or working to the club it would appear at this yeah. stage that he's actually not part of the the manager's coaching team, he's actually yeah. part of the club's coaching structure, which is a slightly different thing. Yeah. Um so I I don't know. And it could be that Duncan stays. The, the, the only thing you'd say is sometimes a new manager comes in and says, oh, I'm not having yeah. that and yeah. then it's a spec. Sam slightly different because it was on an eighteen month. Sure, deal, wasn't it? So it was slightly different, um, but I, I don't think that necessarily means that Duncan will be will be staying. Um, no, I mean I, I think he was brought back to the club. Um, you know, one of Bill Kenwright's moves. I think you know he's you know the arch sentimentalist that you know so loves links with the club's past, and I think he wanted a creative role for him, and I think that's possibly Bill's influence as to why he has you know survived other managers uh, departing. Uh, Bill's influence is lessening on the club now. Farhad Mashiri is calling the shots, you know, exclusively. And I think you're right. I think uh, any new manager that comes in will be given carte blanche to make whatever changes he wants. And that's right. That's how it should be. I think it's hard to really assess Duncan Ferguson's position without necessarily knowing what his day-to-day role is. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, th- I, th- I don't think that's ever really been made clear. He's been there under Martinez. He was yeah. there for Koeman, Unsworth, and now with Allardyce and he's, he's, he seems to be the only one who survived all all four of those yeah, yeah which is uh, not what I'm saying it's yeah. not necessarily a management appointment rather than he's, as Dave was saying somebody needed there to be part of the, this bit of continuity it was telling wasn't it really that if you're on the outside looking in perhaps that when Koeman got the the bullets in November was it yeah, September yeah. how many managers have you had since then <laughs> 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 is, 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 is um, that if you didn't know what was going on, you would the first question would say, Well, Duncan Ferguson as a coach, he works with Cumin, is it for the first team games as a coach? Yeah. He, he's an Evan, obviously, mm-hmm. a former Evan player. Is why wasn't Duncan would appeared at that point if he was staying to be in the natural interim mm-hmm. boss, wouldn't it? That maybe would have happened at others clubs and things probably happened at Everton. Yeah, yeah. Steve Burton sure didn't it, but I know years ago. Yeah. Is is why wasn't Duncan given the gig there? Interesting, yeah. Ah, well, I think the answer to that is because David Unsworth has done it before. He's done it very successfully. Yeah. He did it against Norwich City on the final day of the season after Martinez had gone. And so, you know, he was a natural fit. And I think at the time, I think, uh, you know, there were people at the Everton boardroom that hoped that, you know, Unzi could make a real fist of it and see the job through till the end of the season, you know, to give Everton, you know, a bit of breathing space to, you know, look for a yeah. proper long-term appointment, maybe even convince people that he could do the job permanently. But unfortunately, that all, you know, evaporated against Atalanta and Southampton. Farhad Mashiri panicked and uh, brought in a man that he thought was a guarantee to... Panicked you know, is the key word there. He did, yeah. yeah. And I Definitely. think he, he would admit that himself, that you know he panicked, maybe a little unnecessarily, but they were getting too close to the bottom three for comfort. I think it was five points the difference after that West Ham game. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted an absolute assurance that everything weren't going to be dragged down into it, as they weren't. You know, so some other dice did achieve that. We got, got, got a few points earlier on, didn't we? And the other... The, the other point, which is uh, interesting, which is the, I think the second person mentioned there, Prana, is, is Steve Walsh. Yeah. And the director of football. In, well, in the context also of, I mean, we're not talking about the, 
been a busy, busy time since the last pod. It was only yesterday afternoon. The board Zoom changes that we mentioned last night um, about who was involved in those and who was told what. And you know, there's been some stuff this morning, hasn't it? Over like who should have been told and wasn't and things like this, perhaps. Um, but it's interesting to see that. Um, is am I right in saying that Keith has, has been given responsibility for football matters? Uh, no, no, he's the, he's the stadium man. He's, um, he's basically superseded Robert Elston's role, which was yeah. in driving forward the stadium. And he does appear to be you know, a very qualified position to do it. Yeah. I mean, obviously he was involved in the Wembley Stadium uh, redevelopment quite significantly. Um, so that will be his, his primary role now. Uh, Sasha has been given responsibility for improving the club's commercial performance and uh, financial performance. So it's almost like a number of elements of the um, you know the chief executive's role have been distributed yeah. uh, to you know other members of the board. And then Denise Barrett Baxendale has been brought in as the chief executive you know title. Okay. Yeah. But I, I maybe have misread stuff then. But is whether those changes then change will change the structure below, right? Uh, the club from director yeah. of football. It's real. I mean, I, know, still, I still think. An yeah, I mean, I still think that we haven't seen the end of changes this week. No. I mean, uh, we got a message last night saying that uh, sources in Holland believe that Marcel Brand's situation will be resolved uh, within the next couple of days. It was no more clear than that, but the feeling was that he was, you know, willing to join Everton. Now, if that does point, you know, quite squarely at Steve Walsh, clearly he's not going to accept. Um, being taken is director of football title taken off him yeah. but you know does he then just become a glorified chief scout does he does he keep that role because have two directors of football that can't work yeah. or does he leave the club yeah. and a manager as yeah. well like yeah so yeah. that's just an interesting one as well from the changes from from last night but to continue that theme not like in terms of the next manager we have to get that right and, and remember we're sitting here about sam now because of the Failed attempt, shall we say, to get silver in, yeah. in November. Let, let, let us down to giving Sam an 18 month contract when actually, if we give the six month bomb, it wouldn't be. Well, it's because like, he had over a barrel of yeah, time. Yeah, because you know. of, of the. Yeah. Are, are we confident that Everton will get who we want in the next 48 hours? Because we don't want to repeat it in November, do we? I think well, so, yeah. Go on, Adam, yeah. It, 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 depends, it depends on the speed, really, because it's interesting that you link it to the director of football thing because. Surely, if we are going to bring in, let, like, let's say we are going to bring in Marcel Brands, Marcel Brands is going to need to know that he can work with Marco Silva. Marco Silva is going to want to know whether Marcel Brands is coming in before he even yeah. takes the role. Like, it, like, whilst we all want to see the decision quickly, we don't want to see it happen too quickly, and then later decisions just kind of muddle it up me, a bit. I know, we've had this discussion on the pod, it's easier point first, the director of football or the manager, you know, like chicken well, <laughs> It's true, but yeah. I don't think, you know, this is football we're talking about, and so conversations will be taking place all the time. Marco Silva hasn't been employed, you know, for several months now, so there's been absolutely no problem with talking to him. So if he is, you know, the identified front-runner, Everton will be talking to him, they'll be saying, look, we're planning to do this, we're planning to bring in this director of football, would you be happy with that? Likewise, Marcel Brand, you know, if Everton are talking to him about, you know, the possible appointments, and Marco Silva is the guy in the frame, uh, you know, he'll be fully aware of that. So I think those conversations will already have taken place, and I think the situation is right for Everton to make an appointment quite swiftly. Um, you know, Marco Silva is like odds-on Bucky's favourite at the moment, and uh, they don't just like drop 
you know, dream those odds up. You know, they'll have, they'll have read everything, they'll have heard everything that's being spoken about it. And that's why he's the favourite. So, yeah, an appointment could be made very, very quickly. Uh, talking about this with Adam earlier, I think what's important now is that Everton do enjoy a period of some stability. Because it's been a very, very turbulent time over the last uh, couple of years. And, you know, if Marco Silva has, you know, a couple of dips during that period, they've got to try and be strong now and, you know, stick with him. Well, that was uh, my point yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. No, as they have done previously. Yeah. You know, I, we keep talking about the David Moyes years, but, you know, one very, very good year, one very bad year, yeah. one very exceptional year, followed by another bad year. And yet, the, you know, the board was resolute all the way through. And it's, you know, effectively a new board now, but hopefully they will show those same qualities that the board showed previously. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, I think. I, I, I agree. I agree with all of that. It's then, the without going over the ground when you went, went yesterday, I made the point yesterday's pod, as it that actually, the irony is, is that the person Everton fans wanted to have to do the most is Sam, who's the person who's done didn't the job he was paid to do. Mm-hmm. Out of everybody over the yeah. last two years, which points is a lot of people in that time have not done the job properly, i.e. the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and whoever comes in has got a massive job, haven't he, mm-hmm. about like squad, you know, sort of disassembly and bringing new players in and stuff. Yeah. It's going to be a big job for them, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. the, the problem is that there's no real standout candidate. I feel like it was the same when, when Koeman got sacked. There was no real standouts. All, all, well, the majority of Everton fans want this man. Let's let's get him in. Like I feel like that was kind of the case with Martinez. It was certainly, as I remember, the case with Koeman. Uh, but... I feel like this time, yeah, Marco Silva's the front runner. You've still got Paolo Fonseca. You're still quite close in the in the uh, the latest betting odds. You've got people like Unai Emery getting their names thrown into the hat after he's left PSG. So, I think a lot of Everton fans are split a lot on who they want in next. So there will be people disappointed. Whoever whoever comes into the club next, there's going to be Everton fans who are disappointed. But you can't let that. Can't that let that cloud you? Like that, whoever comes in next needs patience and time to do what you were talking about there. Like they've got to systematically go through this squad. Got to got to look at even further up the club's hierarchy. We've got the sweeping changes happening at the minute. This is going to be a really turbulent and important period for Everton over the next few months. Yeah, just just mentioned. I got, got somebody mentioned not not. Um, you're quite right to that. We never mentioned Dunai Emery yesterday when we were talking about managers. Yeah, yeah. Is, is the feeling around the table that actually he'll be staying on the continent and maybe with Evan that's the case and that will be a bigger a bigger club but a sort of club who's say playing the European football next year who'll be going to? Well he'd be, he'd be an ambitious one. He'd be, he'd be an ambitious choice to go for but why not? Like, why? 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 I've built a contract. Why not ask the question? Well, I've made this argument many times that Everton should be looking at the absolute, you know, top level coaches. And by that, I mean this time last year, Diego Simeone. And it sounds like a pipe dream. People laugh when you say that, but no, his people approached Everton, not not the other way around, and said that they were showing interest in the project and wanted to know more about it, which is reassuring that Diego Simeone, you know, that Everton had even crossed his radar and he was interested in what was going on there. It didn't happen, obviously. You know, he was comfortable where he was at Atletico, but that level of coach. I mean, when Arsenal uh, decided to get shut of Arsene Wenger, the managers they were linked with 
the kind of managers you want to see. Everton linked with, you know, Allegri. Okay, again, you know, sounds like a pipe dream, but why not? Unless you try, you're never going to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, Ancelotti was available, and uh, people I spoke to at Everton suggested that. Oh no, no, he already believed he was going to uh, going to London, you know, to take over Chelsea, was it? But you know, that, that doesn't look likely. I mean, Mikel Arteta, um, you know, Arsenal are willing to give him a job. So why wouldn't Everton think about him? I don't know. I mean, we're just guessing at the moment because there's been no positive statements of intent, but we know that they're trying to get Marcus Silva once. He is available. And so, you know, that, that's why he's yeah. at the forefront of the betting again. But I'd like to see Everton be really super ambitious. I don't think they've been that ambitious for a while. Koeman was, it was a great choice. Everybody wanted him at the time. You know, it, it ended badly, but I don't think anybody would quibble with that. But him apart, you know, it's always been a little bit of a gamble with the managers they've appointed previously. You know, yeah. taking a you know bit of a hit and hope job. But all managers are appointments, aren't they? Up to a point, yeah, up to a point. Yeah. You know, Jose Mourinho, you guarantee will win things for you if you can persuade him to come to your football club. You might not enjoy the football he plays, yeah, but yeah, you will yeah. win things. Yeah. And it's all very well finishing eighth and producing dour football, but winning trophies and producing dour football is a different yeah. matter altogether. Mm. But again, that's a pipe dream. Jose Mourinho is not going to come. And the other one that I've mentioned on the podcast yesterday, Rafa Benitez. Yeah, well, Benitez will be me. I think 100% he'd be a great appointment for Everton, but I know an awful lot of people out there will disagree with me. And I know a number of very influential people in the Everton boardroom disagree with me. So, you know, <laughs> that's never going to happen. He's again my first choice, Benitez, but yeah. I know that's yeah. not going to happen. I mean, the other one, which we didn't discuss yesterday, is, is Eddie Howe. Yeah. He was maybe a bit of a, in the sort of silver type yeah. mould. A's group perhaps years. Premier League experience. Dare I say Everton fan? Yeah. Why, why? Why is Eddie Howe not really being mentioned? Because he's only ever done it at Bournemouth. Part of it. Like he tried. He tried to leave Bournemouth. Was it Burnley that he Burnley, went to? Yeah, yeah. And it completely fell under for him. Family so were homesick, weren't they? So yeah. he, he crawled back to Bournemouth, and he's mm. like he's great at Bournemouth, but I think it like at Bournemouth it's a very different setup. It's very it's very there's still a lot of people involved at Bournemouth even in the squad who were there from their days in League 2 so it's a, it's a very family get 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 them up the table all pulled together small, like it's a smaller club than ever it's a massive like, achievement though it's a massive achievement it, like essentially like the bottom of the tier 4 whatever it's called mm, these days whatever, yeah. to like you know mid-table Premier League and he should be nowhere near there so that's an achievement in itself he plays decent football mm. he's a young coach that's the sort of template you want as a manager. Why, and I'm, not, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, why wouldn't Eddie Howe be higher up the list than what he appears to be? Because he's never won anything. But, yeah, but... Is that the criteria? I mean, we, oh, yeah. I'd say one of, one of the big reasons okay. behind Sam Allardyce having this much vitriol behind him is that he's never won anything in his career. He's, like, his, his biggest achievement to saving clubs from relegation. I, Eddie Howe's biggest achievement to getting clubs promoted. That, that, well, that, keeping in the Premier not, League in, in life in, with, with really low resources compared to some of the rivals and playing decent football. So, and I just think he's been sort well, of thrown out of the conversation too prematurely. Tony Pulis has got a great reputation for keeping clubs in the Premier yeah, League. But, but, yeah, but that's like people like Stoke and all, which were like 28, 30,000 spectators. Eddie Howe's doing a watch ball with all 11,000. And you can watch Eddie Howe's football all day long. Watch Tony Pulis's football. No, I, I, I wouldn't watch any of defensive football all no. day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's imagine he's him without defenders. He's, he's, he's on. Tell you what, you do the uh, interviews to the managers. So <laughs> nobody began. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's almost like a modern day Roberto Martinez. I think uh, I like Eddie Howe, and I think you know, I wouldn't be unhappy to see him. Uh, you know, yeah. so given the Everton job, but you know he's lower down in the list than Marco Silva. 
lots and lots of other reasons why you know Marcus Silva might not be a good fit. But you know, I think the, the pros outweigh the cons at the moment. Um, and like I said earlier, we need to get behind whichever manager it is as a support base, as the media, um, and give the guy support and time to try and get it right. Because there's a big job there, as we've mentioned so many times, the Everton squad is very, very old. Uh, there's so many 30-somethings, late 20-somethings in there. Yeah. And then uh, you know, nothing in the middle. And then a lot of promising young kids that probably aren't ready for prolonged exposure in the Premier League just yet. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done there, a lot of signings to be brought in, a lot of people to be shipped out. When, you, when you're talking about the squad, though, like, you're talking about the age of it. Uh, one player we haven't mentioned yet is Wayne Rooney. Yeah. How, how does, how does this managerial situation affect his proposed move? To well, DC I think United? initially it helps improve the prospect of him staying. Um, you know, because from what we've heard, Wayne Rooney didn't want to leave Everson in the first place. Uh, the first prospect of him leaving was initiated in a meeting that Farhad Mashiri had with Wayne Rooney's representatives, and they were a little bit taken aback um, when the suggestion was that you know that it was thought that he might want to consider moves or offers from China and from the USA. Obviously, if you're not wanted, you're going to start thinking about you know what's being offered to you then. Um, I think he was looking for reassurances from Sam Allardyce that he had a long-term role to play at the club. Allardyce quite rightly wouldn't give him those assurances. Uh, but now that he's gone, I think it depends on the appointment of the, the next manager. If the next manager makes it clear you know, he'd like to keep Wayne Rooney around, I think there's every chance he could stay. So again, it could depend on how quickly uh, the manager is appointed. He hasn't got to make a decision until July 10th. That's when the uh, transfer window opens in America. So there's like, you know, a fair bit of time to go yet. But, you know, bit more talking to be done that one yeah. and as we spoke about before I wouldn't be that bothered either yeah I suggest <laughs> we've not heard the last one of that but just the other thing I want to mention is it's been overshadowed there's some significant boardroom changes mm. last night involving three or four four hours I suppose are we generally content with those changes or do we think maybe there was an opportunity missed in terms of what bringing in fresh yeah. blood, fresh imagination, I've heard, I've seen that criticism levelled this morning that it's the same you know new same faces just rearranged in a different pattern. Um, possibly we don't know a great deal about Keith Harris. I mean, he has been around in football for a long time, and he has a bit of a marmite character by the sound of it. I've read lots and lots of very critical pieces about him. Uh, equally, I've read lots of pieces you know countering that, saying what an impressive individual he is. We'll have to wait and see, but let's face it, he's got a huge responsibility on his shoulders about delivering a new stadium. I mean, that's you know, absolutely critical to Emerson's long-term you know, future, and you know, that's something he needs to get right. But that is a massive responsibility. Time will tell you know, whether he's the right man to do that, but you know, his experience suggests that he can handle it. Um, the other appointments, John Woods was surprised, and we thought he was going to leave the board entirely, but you know, he hasn't. He's remained on the board, even though you know, he's lost the deputy chairman title. Uh, Sasha sounds like he's been given you know more responsibility, and again, it's a man we don't know a great deal about. His, um, his public interviews have been very, very rare, um, and you know we'd like to try and speak to him more ourselves, and you know we'll certainly endeavour to do so. But it'd be interesting to hear you know what his plans are for the future. He's got a great background in football. You know, he's, yeah, he's played yeah. football himself, hasn't he, for Dynamo Moscow's youth teams. His dad played in golf for Dynamo Moscow, so you know he knows all about football, but. You know, he's, he's focused his career in finance uh, from a very young age. So we don't know. It's, it's, it's basically waiting to see. But it's, it'll be an endorsement of whether Farhad Mashiri is getting things right, whether, whether these changes do. And Denise Banner-Baxdale? Well, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Absolutely delighted with that. 
Uh, we've had a fair number of dealings with it over the last couple of years and never fails to impress. I mean, it's funny, the, the word I hear most about it around the, uh, the training ground is dynamo. You know, she just never stops. Um, she, she's involved in so many different things and her work with Everton in the community has been utterly magnificent. I mean, what she's done with them has been sensational. Uh, she's a very easy person to deal with, but I think most importantly of all, she understands the football club, you know, she's an Evertonian at heart. She's a girl from the city that, you know, so did her, her studies elsewhere, but came back to the city to work, which she'd always planned to do. And uh, never planned at working at the football club she'd loved all her life, but ended up doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can get a bit sentimental sometimes, claiming, well, just because she's an Evertonian, why should she get the job? She's not. She's supremely well qualified and uh, has impressed people everywhere she's been. So I am pleased with that, having a well qualified person in that position but equally someone that will project the club in a very positive light because Robert Elston um, you know despite whatever work you might think he's done there was never comfortable uh, in the public eye um, never gave that many interviews when he did I always thought he came across okay but he just didn't seem comfortable enough doing it and he would have liked to have heard more from him a club like Everson has to have a very positive perception out there and I think Denise will do that so uh, do you think there was an opportunity I know you're saying Dave that maybe there's not fully completed that, that job yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah do you think there was an opportunity not bringing anybody in now just to, to just to have a look at things from a different set uh, of eyes like who I do get the point but with all the changes that are happening at the club I think in some respects some sort of continuity is probably a good thing like keep, keeping keeping people who do know how the club works yeah. who like like Denise Baxendale's got a great connection with the fans I think that's that's going to be vital in yeah in in, in, in her new role and I don't, I don't I don't think if we'd have brought in somebody from the outside you're running that risk again of it's another person in a high position not really connecting with the fans not knowing really how the club works yeah. etc et yeah, I, I think I, I personally was disappointed. I think we needed to bring some—not necessarily as the CEO, but somebody new in yeah. at board level. That what, what I was pleased about is, and we said on the pod for a while, is that part of the governance of the club, the roles and responsibilities of people there have to be clearly defined. And I think there was a good move last night saying that you're looking at the stage. Sure. I don't think we've ever had somebody whose role at board level has been finance and no. like like Sasha. No. Which we haven't said the same name by the way. And so that means that the CEO role that Denise is doing is not necessarily the CEO role that Robert was, was doing. No, no, and no. so that leaves Denise to me to look at the, the sort of business as usual stuff, yeah. you know, you know, comms type of stuff, which you think she's excelled at in the past. Well, and I think and taking away taking away some of the more the technical bits, shall we say, yeah. to other people are maybe better suited to that. To those roles, and yeah. I think that that to me is I getting the balance right at a board level, even though I would like to. Well, football seen, clubs seen, are football clubs are huge nowadays, yeah. and you know it's, it's impossible for one individual to take you know, responsibility for so many different facets. I'm always like rem- reminded of a, a comment that uh, I think it was when Jimmy Gabriel uh, took over as caretaker manager, one of our many managerial changes years ago, and he sat behind the manager's desk and just goes, "Wow, I feel like I'm in charge of Battlestar Galactica." <laughs> uh, and it was—I mean, that was a, that was in 1993. I mean, that yeah. was a football club size then. Now, I mean, 20 odd years, 25 years later, absolutely vast beasts. 
I mean, you look at the uh, you know the media department at Everton now, you know, which is, is a cast of thousands. So you know, the football clubs are very very difficult to run nowadays. Uh, so yeah, you know, responsibilities do need to be very very clearly delineated, and they appear to be at the moment. So you know, that that's for the good. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. We've uh, this was a, a, an impromptu. Sam Allardyce has gone special. And uh, you never know, we could be back tomorrow for a, a new managerial appointment. <laughs> or even later oh, this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait and see. But until the next one, which could be anytime soon, uh, thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Chance here for Everton to really seal it. Dominic Calvert-Lewin has done exactly that.